0: Hey, guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Apples. I've been talking about Leon Tailoring for nearly 20 years now. That's right, 20 years I've been talking about the good folks at Leon Tailoring. Whether it's Larry, Norm, Kim, Judy, whether it's their ready-made items, whether it's their custom-made items, or whether it's their tailor-made items, you can trust Leon Tailoring. Leon Tailoring, they've been great folks. They've been around for more than 100 years and some change. I've only been talking about them for 20, but trust me, head over to Leon Tailoring, and they'll take care of you, just like they've taken care of me for the past two decades. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown. Town, Indianapolis, Chris Lowry, the head of Indiana's uh, higher education, the commissioner of higher education here in Indiana, with us for a few more minutes uh, on the program today. Uh, Chris, I, I know uh, uh, when they, when it came to the, the to the to the budget, the, the budget surplus uh, was good news for for Indiana for taxpayers, but also good news for colleges, universities, because you guys got a lot of one-time projects sort of funded uh, this go-around.
1: Yes, y- you know it, it was a good year, and. Um you know, I had <laughs> – we've known each other a long time, Abdul. I, I'm i a hopeful person, right? I had high hopes, and I will tell you, they were exceeded. Um, and, and the folks who, you know, who report to me at the commission, you know, the team and so forth would say, yeah, he's got really high expectations. And, and I, I, I went into the session, you know, with high expectations, high hopes, and they were exceeded. Um you know, each one of our public institutions uh, receive funding for their top capital projects, and again, you and I have talked about this before. What's so significant for that or about that is, you know, to have the kind of facilities and not just buildings, but you know, the infrastructure to uh, you know educate and train our students so that they meet those economic needs, the, the needs of employers, uh, but also for research. Right? We 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 leaned into. Um, I didn't mention this in passing about the outcomes-based performance funding formula. Uh, In the new version, a a small portion of the uh, incentive funding, the portion that is at risk for Indiana University at Bloomington and Purdue at West Lafayette, they're considered um, technically R1 or research, high-level research uh, institutions there is incentive tied to how well they do with that. And the reason I mentioned that to you is, again, there was alignment with the capital projects that the institutions uh, sought to the priorities that we're talking about. And so, yeah, very good on that. You know, the base funding for institutions was, uh, was increased for each year of the upcoming biennium starting July 1 uh, of this year. It'll cover a two year period. So, yeah, you know, in all the the funding was increased at the base level. Um, we did a bridge by using a small portion. Uh, the budget considers a small portion of what we've been calling the legacy um, outcomes-based performance funding formula. So to so to create a bridge there, and then the new outcomes. Then we've got, as I said, the uh, you know capital projects, top capital projects for each institution approved. Um, you know the 21st century scholars commitment that's just it's huge and then other things like the workforce ready grants which are a proven success you know people take this short-term education and training and you know they get better jobs and they get better wages we're you know we've been tracking that for five or six years now um, you know uh, I, I wouldn't call it this because I'm not a historian and frankly I don't have the tr- you know all the details to share with you but you um, Various folks who, um, well, you and I both know, and for whom I think we both have a lot of respect, uh, referred to this legislative session as historic for higher education. And uh, from my from my viewpoint, it was. And again, to me, the most significant thing is uh, so much of it, uh, really all of it, is geared toward uh, helping our Hoosiers, our fellow Hoosiers, and and really building on. Um, Some good work that has already been done, uh, like keeping tuition and fee costs down in Indiana. Our our state institutions have just done an amazing job at that. Uh, Some of the, by the way, some of the very best in the nation. I know Purdue has gotten a lot of attention for that over the years and and, and good work they've done. Um, But your your listeners probably don't know. I didn't know until I came into this role and started asking a lot of questions. Uh, Our state uh, colleges and universities have been sixth best in the nation for the last decade of holding the line on tuition and fees. And by the way, we don't talk about that enough. And, uh, you know me. We're going to start talking about it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chris. Uh, question for you, uh, Chris Lowry, with us, uh, the Commissioner of Higher Education here in the state of Indiana. Uh, Chris, it seems like uh, lately there's almost sort of been like maybe it's like a, a pushback against higher education, uh, whether it's, it's it's issues with quote unquote wokeness, which I'm not going to even get into that silly conversation. But it seems almost almost sort of like a, a backlash. Against higher ed, people saying no, you don't need a post-secondary education or don't need a, a four-year degree, or, 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 for that matter, uh, what what are Indiana's colleges doing to sort of sort of deal with that that sort of that sort of backlash, sort of, sort of maybe sort of anti higher ed sentiment that's that's sort of out there?
1: You know, I love that question. Um, in fact, I I've talked about it a lot, especially since the session was over, and so juxtapose that right what seems to be this kind of conflict this uh you know this disagreement around the country uh between a lot of people is their value is their you know is is it important and so forth juxtapose that to what just happened at the indiana legislature right uh, it was higher ed was supported with alacrity right i mean just wow i i Literally, as I said, you know, it exceeded my expectations. And I'll tell you why I think that's the case. Um, You know, our our higher ed institutions, uh, we at the commission, our partners, again, in, you know, in business, in government and not for profits and so forth. When we went to the legislature uh, and talked about some of these needs, like the 21st century scholars, you know, making it auto enrollment. We didn't just go and say, hey, we think this is the right thing to do. Hey, we'd like to just see more money for, you know, fill in the blank. We went there with data, and we we went there just with facts. And, you know, real quickly, I'll give you just a quick list because I think it's also important for listeners to, you know, uh, be thinking about it uh, and really understanding when we make the investment, we should expect a return. And here are the kind of returns, Right. That with every level of progression in education, so no high school diploma to a diploma to, you know, an associate degree or some college and bachelor's and higher, there are absolute improvements in wages. There are absolute improvements in unemployment rates, uh, labor participation rates, wealth creation, right, Uh, you know. Uh, labor participation rates, right? That's, that is a challenge not only in the United States but across the world and really in all developed countries. And one of the statistics that I think is most stunning, and I, I just looked at the latest one this morning, the difference in Indiana between someone who has less than a high school diploma and someone who has a bachelor's degree on high, and higher, labor participation rate is 27 percentage points different. And it and it scales right across there, right? The more, uh, you know, the more uh, more education, more education, you higher, have, higher the... labor participation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so so the payoff is real. And then on the other side of it too, you know, data that we started taking over. I, ha- I have these little four by fours here. Are the economic here's some you know, four economic, and here are four on what I call social outcomes. You know, infant infant mortality goes down with educational attainment. Uh, deaths by opioid goes down per capita. Um, utilization, not surprisingly, of public assistance goes down, right? Because people's wages are going up and so forth. Life expectancy increases. Um, you know, between those two ends of the spectrum, it's 12 years difference in life expectancy. And again, it just stair steps across that. So, you know, we, back to your question, you know, we made the case uh, that, look, the outcomes are real. Uh, we have to be diligent about understanding supply and demand in the marketplace so that we so we know based on today's needs on the future needs that we're aligning these things. Um, you know civil society, if someone is able to um, you know financially take care of themselves and or family, you know it just creates uh, a stronger fabric. Um, but you know the 21st century scholars expansion, you know, to uh, auto enrollment. Um, one of my first questions was, you know, what would the outcomes look like? And you know, that example alone, Abdul, um, on on the average expenditure the state makes in a in a cohort or in a given year, the increases alone in those students' salaries who are able to take advantage of higher education, it's a 10x. 10 times increase over what the original investment is and and then the tax receipts just state and local not even counting the federal side of it uh, are greater than the original investment so you know we, we tried to be really fact-based about it uh, i think i think it showed that folks were appreciative and and then just you know, kind of on a on kind of a fun note um, you know it was uh, it was uh, fun to see folks on the floor of the House and the Senate actually quoting our statistics uh, and saying, hey, so, like, here are the outcomes. So, yeah, back to your question, I, you know, I think our our view was, look, we can let other folks in other states have these, you know, these arguments. We're going to talk about the data. We're going to talk about the outcomes and 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 in the process, hold our institutions, uh, our commission uh, and anyone else involved responsible and accountable.
0: Uh, Chris, final question for you. This one may be a little tricky. Uh, and the Supreme Court basically came up, came up with a decision recently regarding affirmative action, uh, college admissions. I know a lot of colleges and universities are trying to figure out what exactly this means. You can't use race anymore uh, as a factor. Uh, how Have you folks figured out how that decision is going to impact Indiana's colleges yet, or is that still in the process?
1: You know, I think each of the institutions, each one is figuring out how that you know impacts them and uh you know the students they serve what their you know how it fits into their strategy you know i can tell you um again you and i've known each other a long time uh but since i came into the role 15 months ago uh you know we have focused on things like right the declining college going rate it's been precipitous for a decade and uh by the way, I am confident we're going to be bending that curve uh, with strategies we've talked about already today. But right. But we've you know, I've been we've been very open, very candid. Look, we've had this decline. Uh, You know, the declines have been steepest and to the lower to the lowest points for low income, first generation students and uh, completions. uh, Once someone arrives at a college or or university, uh, they are most challenged for someone who is low income, first generation. Right. Because they their family doesn't have the experience with it. Uh, they may not have the assets or, or be as well-equipped as they should be. And my point in saying that is we're, we – I'm not going to ignore any of that, and we're going to keep pushing for things that regardless of what the Supreme Court does or any anybody in Washington – you know when we see things like the twenty first century scholars uh program and think it ought to be automatic enrollment, we're gonna go after it or you know- re- uh requirement of fafsa you know completion of the federal financial aid for graduation or expanding expanding our indiana college core uh <laughs> love to talk about that one for a minute you know or doing this pre admission strategy or or you know taking uh you know taking a, a very thoughtful thorough approach to uh revising the outcomes based performance funding formula so you know from the commission standpoint especially r- regardless of what goes on in washington um we're going to keep pointing out where the challenges are, and, and but we're not going to uh, admire a problem. We're going to we're going to get after it and try to bring solutions forward that'll better serve Indiana.
0: All right. Well, our guests on the program today—a a really good conversation with Chris Lowry, the commissioner for higher education here in the state of Indiana. Chris, my friend, always good to chat with you. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Abdul, always good to be with you, and uh, best wishes to all of your listeners. And thank you for for all of your support and leadership.